0: Sparking wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Today, I am speaking with twins Alana and Lisa McFarlane. They were DJs called the Mac Twins when they participated in a groundbreaking piece of research into whether gut health is determined by genetics or environmental factors, led by expert in genetics and nutrition professor Tim Spector of King's College London. It was in sharing 100% of their DNA that made Alana and Lisa's participation vital to the results, which culminated in the fact that despite being identical, the bacteria in their guts was just 30% the same, meaning that no two guts are the same. And if the gut bacteria in identical twins can be so different then what does that mean for the rest of us? So now they have launched The Gut Stuff. They launched that in 2017. They have a book called The Gut Stuff. They have an amazing Instagram, amazing website, and I know you are going to love what they have to share today. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to talk to you guys. Your book, The Gut Stuff, is so much fun and it's hard to say, you know, that talking about the gut and poop is fun, but I really enjoyed reading it. And so I just thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. I'm excited. So I don't know who wants to get started, but um, I really would love for listeners to hear a little bit about your background
1: and how you got started talking about the gut. Yeah, um, very randomly is the short answer. And the kind of, in a nutshell, (laughs) long answer is um, we were um, primarily DJs before. Um, So everyone's like, was that your... Um, like hobby and we're like no no it was the full time job Um, so we did everything from uh, radio and reaching quite a young audience on radio so we we did BBC One Extra in the UK and Virgin Radio which I think you guys might have in the States as well Um, and also we did a show called Love Island which is also now really big randomly we we weren't contestants we were the official DJs Um, so yeah very much in a pop culture world and nothing to do with health and wellness living a hedonistic lifestyle (laughs) couldn't have been further from it yeah we're also from as you can probably tell um a
2: very working class scottish background so we're brought up on you know deep fried pizza and chips you know every sort of stereotype you think about a scottish upbringing is, is pretty much true so yeah we couldn't have been further from the health and wellness world if we tried really
1: and um, yeah but we volunteered for twin research which is the research facility at king's college here in london and um, Primarily because they wanted younger volunteers, a lot of the sets of twins that they used for the research were um, potentially older and not necessarily up for some of the more invasive treatments, which is absolutely fair enough. Um, But we were the complete opposite of that and we were like, do anything you want on us. So the American Gut Project actually had just happened um, and... Tim had said, you know, it was coming over the British Gut Project. They wanted to um, use sets of twins to start to explore it here. So we were the first people um, to have our guts analysed. And it wasn't just like everyone I think assumes that, you know, we ate something for a day and sent our stool so samples off, but it was actually two months, the first study. Um, oh, wow. And we had to send our poo off in the post every day. And um, we had to have, you know, colonoscopies. We had to eat like, you know, really highly processed foods for the first month, and then like a kind of Mediterranean style diet for the second. Anyway, long story short, um, the you know throughout the study, we only had about thirty to forty percent the same gut bacteria. Wow, um, And they tested like loads of hundreds of other sets of twins after us and realized the same thing. So this kind of sparked our interest because it not only turned everything on its head that we knew about nutrition, because if we as identical twins can't be sold the same diet, no one can. Um, mm-hmm. But also it was this new kind of frontier of science that nobody was really talking about and that we got really excited by personally because it was so individual. Um, so yeah, so we set up thegutstuff.com purely because our friends were like, one minute you're, you're you know interviewing pop stars in the next minute you're at reading university talking about probiotics like what's going on and our answer was all just that gut stuff just that gut stuff and um, so that's where you know that's where it was born really and um, it started off as just you know putting some studies on the website alana made a rubbish logo and um, and it definitely did not look like what it does today and um, yeah and then that's like what kind of sparks it off and i think you know after that the term gut health you know this is five years ago like nobody was really using the term gut health. It was still, you know, new people tended to sort of talk about digestive health maybe, but not necessarily gut health and the microbiome. Um, So yeah, that was how it started. So randomly, we never thought we'd be here, put it that way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's so fun. I I love talking about the gut microbiome just because for me, the gut brain connection, learning about that totally changed my mental health. But I I think what people probably don't understand still and will never really understand is just how individualized it is which is why you guys were in that study and so just for listeners to want to touch on that one more time you said you only had 30 percent of gut bacteria
2: yeah so we have 100 percent the same DNA because we're identical twins so and to only have the same amount of you know different bacteria as strangers was was quite fascinating and and actually at, at that time you know we were you know working
1: together. we could have been living together, were we Lisa near, near oh, about. my floor for two weeks and she said yeah. two years later I was like and you know I, please leave <laughs> So yeah, there was high chance that we were living very similar things, probably wow. very similar
2: lifestyle. so yeah and actually you know obviously that's just anecdotally when we weren't on the experiments But when we were on the experiments we were literally eating the same things. Um, exactly the same things in exactly the same amounts at exactly the same time, so yeah, I mean that for us was just fascinating. And you know, we had fell foul to in our twenties, as a lot of people do, every fad diet under the sun. You know, we had done the cabbage soup diet pre Magaluf two thousand and five. We did the one, what was one that Beyonce talked about, the cayenne pepper and all that sort of yes, nonsense. The maple syrup and the yeah, lemon oh and the God. yeah. yeah and um, so we had done all of that and actually when we were speaking to the scientists and going through the research it wasn't about restriction and you know taking everything out it was about adding things in and you know simple swaps it didn't have to be we, we got really angered as we came into the health and wellness world from a completely different angle of you know it's seen as this sort of you know middle class inaccessible luxury and it really didn't have to be that so the gut stuff became more than just educating people on gut health and the microbiome for us and what you know what our purpose is and what you know forces us to get out of bed in the morning is that democratizing of health and that this information should be accessible for everyone and you know empowering people with the knowledge so they can make better decisions rather than saying here's this magic bullet go for it pay lots of money for it because that doesn't exist so actually you know out of that that really became our purpose and that's sort of more what you see the gut stuff today as and its mission and purpose
0: yes and i love that and I, that's what i loved about the book too is you do touch on and maybe we can get into that in a little bit you touch on orthorexia which is just this health obsession and you know jumping from diet to diet and this food is bad this food is bad clean and unclean you know all of that um but i think you know in my personal wellness world i really try to emphasize addition over restriction because that re- restriction mindset is not good for our gut health either <laughs> you know? being stressed so let's talk a little bit I mean maybe you could touch on that with what, what does stress do to our gut health
1: yeah so this is something that actually we you know everyone sort of knows that the gut and brain are linked and, um, you know, if you see the person that you fancy, you get butterflies in your tummy, if you're nervous, you can sort you know, a lot of people had known that connection. But I think what people don't know and what science is starting to discover about the two way connection, as you talked about with the gut brain axis. So, you know, the vagus nerve is a physical connection. And then, um, you know, there's neurotransmitters that are constantly speaking, you know, our head of nutrition, Christy is amazing. And she, we talk about it, like the vagus nerve is the phone line, Uh, WhatsApp is the neurotransmitters, like they're talking to each (laughs) other all the time. Um, And, you know, actually, when just that, recognising that connection, like it's not necessarily just to do with diet, it's all of these other things. And I think, you know, we see particularly people that have digestive issues, potentially, they tend to not consider stress that could be, you know, a potential trigger. So I think the first step on that, and the important thing is just knowing that there's a connection. And then you, you know, bring in the complexities of things like cortisol. And, um, and, you know, and I think in the book, that's why we got John Cryan and Tedden and, and Kimberly Wilson to do that chapter together, because they are kind of leading the forefront of science and Kimberly Wilson is seeing how that can affect people in clinic and so I think it was a really nice pairing in the book to put them together to go look here's where the science is at super exciting but you know what's the tangible lifestyle tips that we can hopefully take away from that Um, so yeah it's, it's, it's a good tool for everyone I think to know that there's a connection there.
0: Yeah, yeah, so important to know about that connection. Now, I want to pause real fast, take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. This episode is sponsored by Talkspace. You know after the emotionally draining year that we all endured in 2020 there are positive things on the horizon for 2021 it's time to take what we learned in 2020 and start heading in a new direction that's why i believe instead of just celebrating a month of mental health awareness it should be our priority all year long take the first step with online therapy Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform that has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more. Your therapist can help you set and achieve your goals. What I love about Talkspace is that it is a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And instead of awaiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7 and they'll engage with you daily, five days a week. Talkspace is also secure and private, which I think is so, so important when it comes to therapy, using the latest end-to-end bank-grade encryption technology to store client information and complying with the latest HIPAA regulations. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com make sure to use the code Wholeness to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's SPARKINGWHOLENESS and Talkspace.com. Now, getting back to your book and, and these scientists and experts that you interviewed, you know, they many of them, they share snippets, and I really loved how they explained things so well in a way that really is accessible for everyone even people that don't have a science background and it's a great starter for anyone who's like "Eh, I know I need to get control of my gut and take care of my gut health but I don't know where to start or how you have fabulous graphics and visuals and it's really unlike any other gut health book that I've read and I've read a lot so what made you come up with the book in this format I'd love to know more about that
1: yeah and so again You know, we were we actually met with quite a lot of publishers who wanted to do a sort of very expensive coffee, coffee table recipe book. And um, we just knew that that wasn't what you know, it wasn't what we were about. And secondly, you know, we're not the experts. Yes, our story resonates with people because we've come on the journey. But we knew that we that one voice wasn't going to be enough to cut it. Um, and, inter- and, you know, and that that's not to, you know, disclude anyone that's written a book by themselves, of course. But I think in order to make a kind of, you know, pop culture accessible version of the science, we felt like we needed a lot of voices in there. Um, and, you know, just we actually wrote it in the last lockdown, the first lockdown, um, with, and actually, because the scientists weren't able to be in, uh, in the lab, Uh, it meant that they had more time. So it was an amazing, you know, there's 18 experts in there, everyone from, you know, GPs to the top scientists in their field. Um, So, yeah, it was amazing. And everyone, you know, everyone that's in there is buzzing to be, like, you know, there with the other experts. And I think that because the gut affects so much, it's important to have specialists in that field to explain where the science is at in that particular specialism. Um so yeah, it was yeah, amazing. I mean the, the funniest thing about the book is trying to get headshots from scientists. <laughs> They're like, what's high res <laughs>
2: um, Well it sort of encompassed in hard copy everything that we had tried to do previous to that so we always tried to get everyone talking and make it a collaboration right because we knew we knew that one voice wasn't going to penetrate to really make a difference and start a revolution it had to be a collaboration it had to be an unbiased team effort and basically when we first set up the company as we were first setting up the company was initially just a passion project we would just talk to everyone and you know take them out for pints and coffees and dinner and you know just pick their brains and that's how and we were like oh you should talk to this person and you should talk to that person and this is a connection for that and actually a book the book was actually just the culmination of all those relationships that we had made over the years and and just listening to those experts are so passionate about gut health and speaking to people that were just as passionate As we start had started to become in our journey was was amazing and to see yeah in physical copy it was quite unbelievable the first time we sort of saw it. I love that. Yeah, I I like that going out for pints. That's fun. So tell me,
0: (laughs) with that, you know, gluten's a hot topic in the gut world, right? And beer is fermented (laughs) gluten. So would you say that that's a a good gut food bad gut food? I know we don't want to do like good or bad, but like, what have you learned about things like alcohol on, on gut health?
1: Yeah, so alcohol in the gut is one of our favorite chapters. Um, mostly because Gautam, who wrote the um we actually had heard of him before because a lot of the dry January articles, and um, you know, he's done quite a lot of the TV shows and the articles for that. So we were like, How much red wine is too much red wine? And I right. think alcohol is a prime example of um people want a binary, like, is it good, is it bad, should I cut it out? And it's like, well, you know, red wine is high in polyphenols, like we say this in the book, like great your gut bugs love them the alcohol bit maybe in excess like not so much but it's really interesting actually um I mean I could do a whole book w- with him about you know people's people's tolerance levels with alcohol again so personalized you know like potentially not consistent like it's really interesting that gray area in both the science and in like and you know when you put it into a lifestyle perspective and um, but yeah and I think gluten's the same like I think you know a lot of like these kind of intolerance tests and stuff people you know wrongly are being um, you know told to cut out gluten, dairy, alcohol, fun, <laughs> everything and you know it, it, they're not based on scientific evidence and we always say like you know and it's probably slightly different for you guys but you can if you are celiac which a very small proportion of people are um you know absolutely the gluten like you know that's very serious for if you're a celiac and um, but i think what what a good way around all of these things is for people to themselves in allergies and intolerances and um, because i think people think they're one and the same and i'm allergic to this and i'm allergic to that and i think that actually um yeah, I think it's useful for people to to kind of, you, you know, it's hard because it everyone just thinks, every, actually, when we started the gut stuff, everyone was like, oh, do I have to cut out everything? <laughs> and then we were like, no, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, it's a tricky one. And I, I think it's built on a lot of misconceptions and, you know, giving up carbs and gluten and things like that.
0: Yeah, and it does lead to maybe using this as another diet, another way to develop maybe some negative mindset towards food and and i again that topic of orthorexia so let's get into that you you bring that up in the book which i was so excited about because again that's not in most of the gut books (laughs) so what is orthorexia
1: so we came up with that because um Rini that wrote the chapter did a talk for us once and um she spoke just in a really measured way about it and i think in the media, um, it's orthorexia is, you know, very complex. She kind of touches upon that in the book. In the media, it tends to be sensationalized. A lot of people, you know, it's like a lot of things like OCD, like these things get taken out of context or like, you know, just, yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were like, let's get Rini in because I think a lot of people that that are reading the book potentially, you know, could resonate with that. And I think it's a good thing that people, you know, that it's kind of you know we're shedding a spotlight on it I thought it was important in the book um which you know actually was a, you know it was a decision because the rest of all of a lot of the book 90% of it is fun and it takes a fun thing, like fun spin on things but we put that I've got a problem section in with Sophie about you know digestive issues and how to spot them and that orthorexia thing and to go actually do you know what um there is a very serious side to this as well. And it's important that people know this too. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm just glad that was in there. Um, maybe we should talk a little bit about fiber. You talk about fiber a lot and I love talking about fiber. So
1: how important is fiber for our gut health? So well, do you want to answer anything? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, one hit. we absolutely
2: love fiber now um obviously but when we first started going through the research we were like oh what's fiber do you mean like prune juice and I think that is the first misconception that people have around fiber I mean prune juice has has fiber but you know actually what fiber is and what foods contain fiber so um that is a big thing and I think you know we're all having fiber we just need a lot more of it and um yeah you know I think before we just thought that fiber bulked your stool um, you know, as our granddad Jim used to say, it makes me go, um, a <laughs> legend that Granda Jim was, but now we know that it actually feeds the good bacteria. So it's that two pronged, you know, benefit that it has. And, um, you know, we always say if, if, if you have, if you could take one thing away from any of our talks or the book, then then fiber would be it because it's not an alien, concepts you know even you know the word probiotic people are like what do you mean fiber we're all having it we just aren't getting enough so um in the UK uh, nine out of ten of us aren't getting enough fiber um I'm pretty sure the states is the same I'm just not sure what the actual stat is but I would probably say the majority of people aren't and you know that is a nine out of ten people is is a lot for for not hitting that 30 grams recommended daily intake a day and it's hard to hit 30 grams you know a portion of broccoli is only two and a half and apples only two and a half that's a lot of apples to eat in one day to get mm-hmm. to 30 grams so um, it's so important that, that 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 the message is is, is getting out there about fiber.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, for me personally, I know I feel better when I am eating more fiber. And that's also just kind of a clue just for people who are just trying to tune into their own bodies, like not feeling great today. I'm feeling like what's off. What did I leave out? And sometimes for me, sometimes the answer is protein. Sometimes it's fiber. You know, we all have to tune in to what works best for us, but that's a huge one. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up.
2: Yeah. And I think you're spot on with the tuning in as well. I think, you know, Rarely do any of us tune into our bodies unless we're hungover or we're Ill, until we're ill. <laughs> totally. and when you're hungover, you assess every single minute detail of your body because yeah. you feel so bad. Um, but I think you know that's one of the first things that we'll say to people if if they say to you know, do I what is my gut health like? What am I doing? And I'm like, write down what you we've got gut diaries, and you know, mm-hmm. you can write down everything from how stressed you're feeling, how much water you're drinking. What your poos look like, super important. Never be scared of that. And You know, it's not about calorie counting. It's certainly not about that. It's just just writing it down. And actually, you know, that's what we had to do as we went through the research. And actually, you know, seeing it all written down, you realise, A, how much you lie to yourself. And B, you know, that we just weren't getting enough variety and nowhere near enough fibre. And not drinking enough water as well. Um, So yeah, I think tuning in is super, super important because as we said at the start, you know, what works for me doesn't work for Lisa. And that's why it's so important to tune in. And, you know, in 20 years time, there'll be some sort of technology that will tell us what us, but for the minute, um, we we have to do that work ourselves.
0: Yeah. I I love the image in that too, that, I mean, you guys grew up in the same household, ate the same things. Like you said, you were living together, probably eating the same things when you did this study. And then you continued to eat the same things and still what works for one of you is different for the other. And I think that that's so important for people to understand because we all want that one size fits all. We want the magic pill, like you said, and it just doesn't exist. So, um, maybe it would be good to ask, like, what are some of the things that each of you found individually that impacted one of you more than the other or something that doesn't work for one that does work for the other?
1: Yeah, well, actually, when we, um, the last study we did, which I think the New York Times did a big piece on um, the Zoe study, the personalized nutrition study um, with Tim Spector. We were actually the first people ever to go through that study. Us and Tim did the format. And um, it's based on... uh, glucose levels and things like that um, and Alana and I actually metabolize different foods so differently and that again was like an extension of um the kind of gut bacteria conversation um, but you know fasting is a really good example so um there's a lot of things around fasting um you know the, the evidence is mixed and uh, we always say um, like like we say in the book, like it's really personal. And I think that Alana feels better when she fasts, whereas I was always hangry. <laughs> it was probably an excuse, but yeah, um, you know, get really hangry. And actually when we went through that study, we realized that my um, blood sugar levels were always really low and then would spike quite easily when I did eat. Whereas Alana was, you know, much steadier, which is probably a reason to why potentially she felt okay fasting. Um, but you know not everyone has got the luxury of being monitored <laughs> literally we had like Libra monitors where we we're being monitored for weeks and weeks has a luxury of that so it's kind of reading you know what science is there and then finding out for yourself and I think that journey is something that we've found really important um, and then you know fermented foods like we would never have probably yeah touch fermented foods before um but yeah th- things like that that we've started to introduce or swap like you know swap well, to be fair
2: like we used to love gherkins and pickles but then we realized they weren't actually fermented <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh oh okay so now we're, we've now swapped them for a bit for fermented foods but... I think one of the big things that's resonated with both of us actually is that it's not necessarily just what you eat it's how you eat and everything else around you so like before well-being we always thought it was just like gong baths and you know standing on your head drinking green smoothies um but actually thinking of your sleep and um, you know making sure you exercise the stuff that we've known but I think now we have the why piece because of the research we know why your microbes like you to move and sleeps better so that the microbes that are on the night shift can do their job and you know like I think it's given us the microbiome and has given us quite a lot of new answers to some of those things that we kind of knew already yeah
0: yeah, that's, that's really good. And, and you mentioned fermented foods, I do love that you have a very clear breakdown, because that's intimidating for people, you know, to make sauerkraut or to, you know, try and, and, you know, some of it is we're just not used to it. It's not something that we grew up with many of us, except for, like you said, the pickles that are not fermented. I think you can find fermented pickles, um, but they're a lot better than the ones I've tried to make. They're always real slimy when I make them. So what's the secret to fermented foods? What have you played with? What do you enjoy about that? Um, what's, what's your
2: we
1: were we were
2: rubbish yeah we're not actually amazing oh. <laughs> um, I think I'm, I'm you know I can pretty much get away with a sauerkraut and everything else dies um but we have yeah an amazing team now uh, Lauren who's our sort of in-house foodie she's just an amazing fermenter and we actually have just launched our new how-to fermenting series and um, which is basically you know it's how-to videos on on YouTube and on our website and we were like pretend you're teaching us how to do it and then we'll get there <laughs> in this form so no one should feel intimidated by yes. the videos because we have made them as accessible and as, we, also,
1: as possible. So we love to eat them but you know actually you know in lockdown a lot of people like we've seen we do it fermenting fridays um on our socials and we've seen a lot of people you know having the time to do it and i think you know it's such a cost efficient way you know you know historically it was used for preservation and you know to buy uh fermented foods can be expensive and we're always like it's cabbage in a jar. That is like it's cabbage that's had a bit of a massage in a jar, mm-hmm. um, and it's really not difficult. Like Val and I can attempt to anyone can, um, but we've got a kind of upstep. Um, so D- uh, David Zilber, who's like the Rihanna of fermenting, he wrote the art of fermentation, <laughs> and he was the head fermenter at Noma. Um, so like he's like guru D- helped us with our FAQs, so that if people want to. F- Get a bit more, you know, fruity and experimental with it. Then um he's helped to kind of do that step up. um But yeah, we have we now have fermented foods every, like every day, and we've got loads of recipes on the site. To sh- cause I think people just kind of don't know what to do with them because they feel like the flavors are quite overpowering. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got like no bake sauerkraut brownies, which we were like, "What?" Lauren gave us a recipe, and we were like, oh. "No." And then we've tasted them, and I was like, "Wow, this is." A taste sensation. So, yeah, they are good, <laughs> unexpectedly good.
0: That's fun. You know, and I think that flavor and variety and flavor is really important for us. And we've kind of lost that. We're so used to just the same old processed stuff
1: mm-hmm. that
0: adding in variety, whether it's this, the tanginess, you know, or just the different kind of vegetables, I think even that's helpful with our mindset, which helps our digestion. You know, it all works together. And so I love just the way you emphasize variety and trying something new and it doesn't have to be hard. I think that that's, that's awesome. Um, Let me ask about what is your, maybe what is something that you learned and you are continuing to learn that has just surprised you that you didn't expect other than, you know, the microbiome differences.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think behavior is huge when it comes to, to diet and lifestyle. And, you know, just thinking about our friends and especially you know, someone like my mum who's so set in our ways, um, you know, what we really wanted to do at the gut stuff is to empower gut health and everyone, and you know, not just the the health and wellness world. And that's a big task because when you want to when you want to do everyone and you want to be mass market, you know, it's really, really hard because actually a lot of the time it comes down to behavioral changes. And I think that's what we found absolutely fascinating, um, with the gut stuff. Um, and I think that's why it's important to tell our story and talk about our journey because we were so on the other end away from health and wellness. And I've come, you know, don't get us wrong. We are not angels. You know, we still like a drink and we still, you know, have processed foods now. And then I think that also resonates with, with people as well. Um, Um, But I think, yeah, just the behavior aspect of, of, of diet and lifestyle. And it comes down to, you know, empowering people with the facts. I think, you know, I think when we found out that 90 to 95% of serotonin was produced in our gut, we were like, wow, light bulb. Okay, there's a switch. 70% of your immune systems housed in your gut. There's another light bulb that goes off. And, you know, the gut brain axis. when we actually just saw a diagram of that physical connection, that was another light bulb. And, um, you know, when we started to look at the science and be able to understand it because it can be intimidating, you're right. And I think... You know, especially when we first started going the research, through the research, we would say to the scientists, like, pretend we're toddlers, you know, please explain this to us in a way that we can understand, because mm-hmm. when we understand, we will be passionate about it and we will want to make changes. But until we can understand that we don't want to feel like we're being preached or patronised. And I think that was so important. And behavior really is, is about that. And changing behaviors is a really complex process. Um, and it's something that, you know, if we want to educate and empower people within gut health, it's something that we've really had to get our own heads around. Yeah.
1: I love that. Do you want to add anything, Lisa? I was just going to say from like a kind of business and brand perspective like I think one of the biggest things we've learned is that it's okay to speak like I think in order to get people's attention um, you know even though you're talking about a subject that's complex that you know you know isn't actually easy to talk about it's still a bit taboo and you know you're competing against people's and as a behavior thing again you're competing against people's time and attention and, you know, obviously we believe that if, like, you know, people's health should be at the forefront, but not everyone is, you know, thinking like that. Um, so you have to speak to them like, you know, Ariana Grande or Nike would like, how can you attract, you know, people's attention in the same way that other brands do? Just because you're a brand that is a health and wellbeing brand doesn't mean to say that you cannot command that sort of attention. And I think that approach has hopefully been what is kind of, you know, I guess disruptive to it, it within the the kind of gut health world you know for example at the minute we have covered London's bus stops in
2: giant sized pink posters of the Bristol stool chart so all different poos <laughs> um and have called them everything from like smashed avil to poo nami to and they're in posters all across London um oh my gosh. they're getting a lot of attention but you know for all the right reasons and you know we've we've went really bold with it, but if you want to make change and you want people to start, you know, thinking about their gut health, then that's super important. And you know, one of the things that we always wanted to do was. The age group that we were leading to you know how could we start to let make them think about the inside out rather than the outside in and um, mm-hmm. especially you know that love island audience and thinking about prevention which none of us do you know i think even when you're in your 20s you just mm-hmm. go hard and fast and you don't think about your health at all and then you know you get into your 30s and and 40s and go wow i think this is something that i really need to start thinking about so how could we get that younger generation thinking about that sort of preventative health care
0: yeah, you literally have the Bristol stool chart all over London. Oh, <laughs> no, well.
2: you love it. It's literally been the talk of... You know, like comedians all in the UK talking about it, taking photos about it. We've had like all the news stations. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, we went, we were, we were, we took a risk with it, but um, it's definitely paying off because it's getting a lot of attention. And if for me, if someone Googles what is the gut after it, then yeah, we've, we've done, we've done something right. Yeah.
0: Well, your poop tells a story and, you know,
2: like people need to be checking
0: if there's exactly. something wrong.
2: And we always say, like, you know, with babies and puppies, we look at their right. poo all the time yes. and go, oh "My God, it's green. What's wrong?" You know what? Mm-hmm. And you know, kids talk about poo all the time. At what age did we stop talking about it? And it's one of the only things we do um, that we all do that we all have in common. Yep. So, you know, we've always been even before our gut health journey. We loved the poo talk, like we loved the toilet talk. Um, but even now, even more so. Like I think when we we knew that we were making a transition, when people used to come up to us in the toilets at DJ gigs and tell us what their poo is like that day that's when we were like we knew our 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 path in life had changed (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's definitely a difference
0: (laughs) that's funny all right well I've got one question that I love to ask my guests and so I'm going to throw that at you right now and that is if you could give one piece of advice
1: to spark wholeness what would that be um minds would be really simple and sort of what we've been captured is just um arm yourself with the facts around your gut because um if you love it it will love you back in abundance yeah your bff um yeah and just to echo that you know on the bff thing
2: um you will be very different what works for you will not work for your bff might not work for your partner or your kids or you know and it's all about doing what works for you and and doing you and uh that's yeah if, if there's one thing i can say is you know don't look on instagram and copy what someone else is doing or their diet or lifestyle you really have to do what works for you and that will lead you to being the sort of best version of and happy version of yourself i think
0: yeah. Oh, I love that. And you guys do offer a lot of great guidance to help people get started with individualizing that. So where can people follow you, find you, get your book, all of that?
1: And um, so it's just the um, is our website and it's got the links to where you can get the book um, in the US there. And yeah, across socials, easy peasy. It's just the gut stuff as well. I like it. Get in, get to, yeah, the Instagram <laughs> the Instagram's probably the place to go. website has loads of
2: content to swim out swim about in The Instagram's like bite-sized content and then I think the book's just a really good option for seeing it all in in one place really.
0: Yeah, this, this has been so good. And I just appreciate you guys taking your time to come on the show and share. And I do, I, I, and I will say, I've read a lot of gut books because I love the topic. And this is one of my favorites because it has pictures and you explain it in fun ways. And then you have the experts and it's everything. So really guys, I encourage if you're listening, check it out, get the book um, and check out their website. And I'm going to have to look up those um, sauerkraut brownies right? Yeah.
2: Is that what you're Sauerkraut no-bake brownies. No-bake yeah, brownies. Okay. Yeah, no-bake, super quick and um, really tasty. So yeah, let us know what you think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I am
0: so excited. So thank you again for being on. This was a really, really informative discussion and can't wait to learn more from you guys going forward.
2: Thank, thank you, you for so it. much, Adam.
0: Thanks for tuning in to sparking wholeness for more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Check out my website, SparkingWholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show, wherever you listen to podcasts and to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.